lovely on the mountains are the feet of those who bring the good news of peace and salvation. Our God reigns. That's Isaiah 52.7 in the Bible. It's an ancient prophecy of the coming of Christ to reconcile us to God. Come is the word of Advent, and it's the theme of this series of Soul Talks podcasts. We're blessed to have you join us as we come to Jesus together. Thanks for the eggnog tea, Christy. You're welcome. I love eggnog. (laughs) Yeah. Listeners may not have heard of eggnog tea, but Christy, you know about it. I do. (laughs) It's a special treat. Yeah, it's a fun way to begin the morning. And happy Advent to you listening in. Thanks for joining our series on Come. We're talking about some of the wonderful ways that Christ Jesus has come to us. And that's what Advent is about. We want to give a shout out to... Joshua Rogers, uh, he's been listening to Soul Talks for uh, quite a while, and he's a Christian attorney in Washington, D.C., serving the God in the public space, so appreciate that, Joshua. He has a blog called Finding God in the Ordinary, he writes as a, a new dad, and, and his wife's a spiritual director, he speaks about following Jesus and his work as a attorney, and just love that, we've got a lot of people listening who... They might not be church pastors, but they are leaders serving That's the right. Lord. So we are speaking to you and your space and however it is that you express your gifts to honor Jesus. And we want to help you be strong to thrive with Jesus in your life and in the ways that you serve him. And we want you to know you belong in our soul shepherding community. And we open our hearts here to the Lord and to each other and to you to uh, speak from the heart and from the soul. And that was a little difficult for Joshua at first, the vulnerability of soul talks. And he, he says, uh, you know, sometimes it felt like uh, that awkward feeling. Uh, he's talking about listening when he's first listening to soul talks. And you get this awkward feeling when you're, uh, someone wants to sing a song and it tries to help you remember it as they're trying to get you to sing that song. And so they start singing it for you, and and you're both looking at each other eye to eye, and you're trying to remember that song, and you're not remembering it, and and you you get feel a little embarrassed and even uh, like you're naked. It's so intimate. Um, And he says that you break the rules on soul talks of having to have it all together. A lot of times we think as Christians we just need to be put together and ship shape and everything's good and looking good for God. And he says, but you don't, you, you're, you're not like that. You're, you're vulnerable and you don't just save your most meaningful conversations for private, but you invite us as a listener in. And he says, it's helping him learn the language of feelings and uh, vulnerability and authenticity and honesty and helping him in his relationship with the Lord and in his work. Thank you so much for taking time to write us and give us that feedback. It's so helpful. We love hearing from you as you listen to us. You encourage Bill and I to to keep going with this podcast, and you encourage us to know, you know, how do, how is God using this? So thank you. We really appreciate hearing from you, knowing you, journeying with you, following Jesus. And I love what Joshua said about, you know, just being real and thinking about this Advent series that we're doing, it's been meaningful for me, Bill, to think about, you know, Jesus coming to us in the messiness, in the real of our lives and, and of human life. 
It starts right from the moment of his birth, right? His first breath has the stench of dung in it from the stable. The first sounds that he hears are animal grunts. He feels cold and he's wrapped in dirty rags. Jesus wasn't born in a palace. He was born to a poor family, uh, essentially in a, a cave. It was like a barn. And uh, for, it just continues right from there. His life is an open book. And people said of him in, uh, as an adult when he began his public ministry at age 30, he says, oh, he's just a carpenter. Because they knew that he had spent uh, from 12 to 30, his first 18 years of adulthood in that, that culture that day, just working as a, a, a blue-collar worker in a small town, a carpenter, perhaps a stonecutter, uh, serving people and uh, doing sweat work to earn a living for his family. He was called Mary's boy in, in derision, and that was not um, usually you'd be known by your father, but that was an indirect uh, slam as a way of saying, well, you're a bastard. You, you don't even have, we don't even know who your father is. You know, we don't even know where you come from, they said. And so, uh, and it continues. You know, he had no official office as, as a rabbi. Uh, he, uh, he didn't write a book. He, you know, he's speaking the most important message in all of human history. And he doesn't write it down. He trusts other people to do that. And he, he trusted his apostles to, uh, to be missionaries, to be leaders. And that's very vulnerable. We, we know that uh, with soul shepherding and uh, especially... My personality, I like to do things myself and be in control and tend towards perfectionism. And we've had to learn with soul shepherding really since the start, but in a whole new uh, level uh, in more recent years in which God has grown our ministry, having to, uh, getting to learn to partner with people and to receive uh, their, their gifts, their, their energies, and let them contribute and realize, hey, it's not all up to me. Yeah, that's been a real learning for us, the, the vulnerability in, in ministry, the vulnerability in doing this podcast, the vulnerability on asking people to, you know, make donations to help us with the cost of this, to um, open up our hearts and bear, you know, the real of what's going on with each other. That's vulnerable. And it's helped me to do that, to take courage from Jesus and the vulnerability that he showed in coming to us. I know this really hit home for me even more, Bill, when I was uh, pregnant and, you know, pregnant at Christmas time. And I remember watching the Glory of Christmas uh, production and, you know, Mary on that donkey in the storm and traveling to Jerusalem pregnant. And here I was so pregnant thinking, you know, thinking, oh boy, you know, I had a new empathy and understanding of what that must have been like, and I wasn't as pregnant as Mary. <laughs> I still had a couple months to go in my pregnancy, but um, the vulnerability of that, and of course, you know, living in a day and age when I could be reading about all the things that could go wrong in mm-hmm. pregnancy with my baby and being, you know, super uber careful what I ate and what I did and all the things because I was aware of the vulnerability of the baby within me and, you know, God himself taking on that vulnerability. And then when our our third child was born, and she was so sick, and she was in intensive care uh, there from Christmas, well, from Thanksgiving till New Year's, really, over Christmas, and holding her in the hospital, and just the vulnerability of how we weren't sure if she was going to live, and I couldn't leave her, you know, because she wouldn't take a bottle, and she was losing weight, and she was 
hooked up to all this equipment and she was on oxygen and she was getting breathing treatments and just the vulnerability again of the Lord really spoke to me more about the vulnerability that, that Jesus took on in becoming human as a baby. I appreciate you sharing that, Christy, because I know that some of our listeners are pregnant or have small children or small grandchildren, and it's such a precious time of life, and and it's also a, a time of, of real uh, vulnerability, as you're saying. It's emotional, uh, it's uh, insecure, uh, we, we're not sure what we're doing as new parents, and we've got this life in our hands to care for, especially uh, going through challenges like sickness or babies crying and what, what, is, what does she need and how, how do we help this child and how, how are we going to raise this child and protect this child through life. There's just continuing scary things that we experience as parents. Yeah, well, we think it's going to be better once they're born, but it continues that sense of vulnerability as parents. We're pretty heightened to their vulnerability. It's interesting, especially as they grow into adolescence and young adulthood, and they get this sense of invincibility. They don't think they're vulnerable at all, <laughs> and we see their vulnerability. And so handling that tension, too. In fact, I, I was as we watched the movie about John Lennon's life story uh, last week, I was recognizing in the movie again, it was like loving to love is so vulnerable. In that movie, they showed so well how painful and vulnerable it was for the aunt who raised John Lennon as her own son, how vulnerable it was for her, how painful it was for her when he rejected her. And, um, he just went through in his early life reacting to his own pain, really hurting people close to him. I mean, physically, emotionally, relationally, I mean, just really doing major damage. And I, I just kept thinking, boy, I mean, it's so vulnerable to be close to this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he just really uses you and really hurts you and really is, you know, uh, it seems heartless in terms of, and of course, we know he was hurting and reacting to that, but. I was just struck with the vulnerability of loving, how painful it was for the people that loved him and were close to him. Yeah, when, when we care for people deeply, we, we really do expose our heart and the, the soft places, uh, the belly of our soul, so to speak, is out there raw and uh, open. We don't maybe think about it this way, but really loving and giving and nurturing and uh, caring for people is the most vulnerable p- posture to be in. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And that, that giving, that generosity, it does expose us, exposes us to be, to be rejected, to be hurt, to be, be criticized. And that's when, when you really give yourself to someone as a spiritual director or counselor, pastor, friend, uh, parent, and you're listening and you're caring, it's a vulnerable position to be in. Well, it is. It's very vulnerable. Even, again, going back to the movie that we watched and seeing how John Lennon's aunt was trying to defend herself against the vulnerability. She was trying to be stoic and not not feel the feelings. And yet she lost everyone she loved. You know, she lost this this nephew who she raised as a son. She lost her husband. She lost her sister. And yet we see her just choosing over and over again vulnerability, even in spite of her resistance and wanting to protect. And that's what God does. He continues to choose love even when we reject, even when we abandon him, even when we disrespect him, 
even when we don't appreciate it or we shun it, even when we try to be stoic, you know, and not not be vulnerable ourselves, he continues to take the position of love and vulnerability. Yeah, that defense of being stoic, of shutting down our emotions, uh, keeping keeping that at bay. Uh, it's interesting juxtaposition there that you bring out from from the movie because uh, on one hand, the aunt was so vulnerable in, in her giving and her mm-hmm. generosity and her faithfulness and her commitment to, to young John Lennon. And yet on the other hand, uh, she was very, uh, uh, held her cards close to the vest and she did not let herself, well, like when her husband died, she just would not grieve. Mm-hmm. And uh, John was a, a boy, and this was his, essentially his father because he never knew his father, and so he was just weeping. Mm-hmm. And his aunt just would not um, go there with mm-hmm. him. He tried to hug her and cry, and she just remained stiff. And she just said, "Well, we just have to move on." And they never talked about it. Yeah. And you see that part of her her not being vulnerable, mm-hmm. and how that hurts her, mm-hmm. and how that hurts her loved ones. Well, when we make that choice, we, we're choosing isolation more and more. And, you know, I've talked to people in counseling who, to shield themselves from the vulnerability and the hurt of loss, they choose not to love. And it leaves them very isolated, very lonely. And that's the saddest thing of all. I always remind myself uh, with my own fears of loss or rejection or disappointment that it's better to, to love and to lose than not to love at all. And love it needs to be shared. Mm-hmm. It, it needs to be expressed. And we're, we're going to we're experience the, the most sense of, of bonding and uh, meaningfulness in life when we're authentic and we're real and we're able to admit, well, this is how it feels for me. This, this is what I need. This is what's going on for me. Yeah, that's really true. It's, it's, it's very vulnerable, but it's very healthy. It's very important. I'm so- we so need Christ modeling this to us, the way that he made that courageous choice to love us in, while we were yet sinners, in our mess, in our vulnerability, in our inabilities even to love him, that he loves us. And I have to remind myself of that, and I have to also receive that. And as I receive that, it enables me to, to follow in his example of loving more. While we are yet still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8, you're referencing there. Mm-hmm. And um, th- in addition to his death on the cross, which is the, the greatest expression of love in all of history, uh, he lived a cross life. He lived a self-sacrificing, self-denying uh, generous, giving himself up life. And throughout his life, he was he was vulnerable throughout his life. He uh, offered himself freely to people and allowed himself to, to be mistreated. Uh, he, he lived out his teaching to love your enemy and give to the one who asks of you, and it cost him. And he did that because of the intimacy that he had with the God that he knew as Abba, as Papa, and there was a special closeness there, and he, he felt cared for, and he felt nourished continually by the Father and by the Holy Spirit. And so he overflowed with that in all of his relationships, setting us the model. That's how it is that we can be be vulnerable, and that's how it is that we can um, uh, be, be tender-hearted towards other people, uh, even when maybe it's not going to be appreciated or we're going to feel hurt by that. 
that's how we can be be vulnerable with a friend and give them the the gift and the honor of listening and understanding and supporting and praying for us. That's how in our leadership and our speaking and uh, our writing, we can be vulnerable and speak from our, our hearts and our life and, and not just always have it all together, but, but let people see, no, well, here's where I'm struggling. Here's what I'm learning and let God use that. You know, I've been journeying with Mary this Advent and just really pondering a lot in her experience and her role and saying yes to God, let it be to me according to your will. So vulnerable for her, such a vulnerable position as a young woman and the rejection that she experienced and the responsibility that she must have felt. And just thinking about that has been so meaningful and helpful to me because it is vulnerable for us to say, Lord, let it be done to me according to your will. It, it feels very vulnerable. We live in this American society that says, I'll do it my way, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or the one that plays at funerals, I did it my way, or something, you know, it's, it's this motto theme song we have where we can pride ourselves on our independence. And we tend to shame vulnerability as weakness. And so it's really reversed in the spiritual life. It's it's most vulnerable of all to say to the Lord, let it be done to me according to your will. So, uh, John the Baptist is another example of that. The uh, the master of descent, as I read in my Abbot devotional, John the Baptist, the master of descent, he must become greater, I must become least, all the way to losing his head. Yeah, the master of descending from the down low in humility. Yeah. yeah, choosing humility for Christ, vulnerability for Christ. So uh, tell me more about how you're personally experiencing this, let it be to me, according to your word, this journey of submission and letting go and descending to the, the lower place. Well, in our ministry of soul shepherding, you know, we're going through quite a bit of change in our ministry as we've grown, and we're needing you know, we're needing more help, and that feels vulnerable to me because that means we need to raise raise more support, which is vulnerable. It's vulnerable to ask, you know, people to consider giving their money to soul shepherding. It's vulnerable to need that. You know, we come from a, you know, most of our lives being very responsible to, to work really hard to earn, and, and you work for a reward of earning. And, you know, with soul shepherding, we're working harder than we ever have, but it's it's not the same anymore. We don't do it for that financial earning or independence anymore. It's no matter how hard we work, we're vulnerable. We're dependent upon God moving in the hearts of people to give, and that feels vulnerable. And then especially as we're growing and expanding how much, you know, we need to continue. And then it's vulnerable for me to be letting go of things that I've been doing and handing them off and trusting somebody else to do them and trusting somebody else to do them with as much care and passion and love, you know, as, as I've had actually birthing, you know, with, with you and God soul shepherding. So there's a vulnerability there in, in letting go. There's a vulnerability there in faith and, and trusting that this is how God is leading us. That feels vulnerable because it feels more secure just to keep, keep tight controls and keep doing what we've been doing and what I know and what's known. There's a fear in that, in the letting go of, of power and, and of doing it yourself. A fear of well, what's going to happen and what's the future of our ministry going to be like. You're, you're letting that go to God, but also to, to people who are coming around us to help. Yeah, and so it does feel very vulnerable, but it also 
I'm aware of vulnerability that if I don't let go, I'm vulnerable to burn out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it, I'm aware of the vulnerability that it's not sustainable for me to keep doing it all myself. And that I'm, I'm vulnerable. I have needs too. Christy, I appreciate your courage and I'm so thankful to have you co-leading soul shepherding with me. And, uh, that's, uh, what's brought you into this uh, season of, of vulnerability and expansion and letting go of things is, um, the stepping up into more of a leadership, increasingly into a leadership role. Um, in case our listeners don't know, Christy co-leads our Soul Shepherding Institute with me as we um, lead these five-day weeks of training uh, in a retreat context for men and women in ministry and uh, co-founded uh, the ministry and co-leads the, the board and uh, all of uh, the things that we're working on and uh, probably that's not surprising to you listening to Soul Talks as Christy is a equal uh, voice here and uh, sounding of uh, sounding source of wisdom and grace and so I'm just I'm blessed to partner with you Christy and thank thankful for your leadership and your willingness to face the the fears of of growth and of letting go um, I feel loved by that and I know that the Lord does too. And an important part of our ministry is helping you to find your voice uh, in your family, in your work, uh, in your church context, however it is that you're serving the Lord. Uh, We hope that uh, you uh, increasingly are taking hold of the voice of the Lord to you, the words that he's speaking to your heart, the words of scriptures are made alive to you, that you too are Christ's ambassador you are called to be a soul shepherd where you are, and there is vulnerability in that, in offering our hearts, offering our gifts. Uh, we might fail. We will fail at times. In fact, that's the best way that we can learn is to put ourselves out there and try and see what God does with that. And, uh, but we take heart from Jesus who became vulnerable for us, and that's uh, a primary way that we uh, celebrate Jesus' vulnerability is his his leadership, him putting himself out there. He, he, he was a rabbi in a way that nobody had been a rabbi before, and he shows us a new way to do it. Uh, for instance, instead of people uh, lining up and applying for, the, for his uh, school, he chooses them. None of the rabbis did it that way. And so we learned from Jesus, hey, that's a great leadership model. Find the, find the people that are, are hungry and motivated and, and uh, do life with them and call them to journey with you and develop your leaders that way. Many things that Jesus did that were done a different way, and that was vulnerable. I mean, he was carrying the whole world on his shoulders. This mission needed to succeed, but he knew that he wasn't in it alone. He was submitted to the Father in everything he did, and so he was in a partnership. He was working with the Father, and, uh, and the Father and Son Company brought in apostles and brought in men and women leaders who were really important, uh, essential. Without them, the, the church doesn't take off. It would be uh, an aborted mission. Uh, spaceship doesn't fly. If not for Peter, James, and John, and the Marys, and uh, Martha, and, and others who were uh, serving the Lord with him, if they don't step up and join his company, his community, and use their gifts and serve alongside of him, then uh, the gospel doesn't take off, the church isn't, isn't born, doesn't grow, and we're not in this conversation So that's an important dimension of vulnerability that often is not talked about. It's leadership. It's using our gifts, not only in the church, but uh, as 
uh, Joshua's case, uh, in the public space, or in the marketplace. Yeah, it's vulnerable to uh, use your voice, to take a stand, to, to lead in following Jesus. It is vulnerable. I think one of the things that helps me embrace vulnerability, though, Bill, is that vulnerability seems to be very helpful because after vulnerability, if it, if you're vulnerable with people that are loving and are Christ-like or in Christ, vulnerability actually provides an opportunity for healthy bonding. And that's the great joy of life. And when we're uh, tender and uh, honest and real, um, sh- showing our soft side to, to people that we uh, trust and are learning to trust, uh, it's a powerful conduit for God's grace to get through to us. And, you know, we, we all want to feel uh, closer to God and to, to know Jesus better. Well, uh, essential to that is uh, experiencing closeness uh, in human relationship. And if we don't go there with uh, people that, that God sends us to be Christ's ambassadors to us, is we're not likely to experience that intimacy with God. Jesus, we are so grateful that you come to us. Thank you for your courage to be vulnerable and to inspire us to follow your example, to take courage, to be vulnerable, to follow you, and to love with your love those you've put in our lives. Pray for each of our listeners, Lord, that they would see and appreciate to greater measure your vulnerable love, your coming into the mess, into the pain of their life, and that you're with them when they are making that choice, when they are vulnerable and it's hurting, that you're with them, loving them, help them to feel bonded to you, secure in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Your donations to Soul Shepherding cover the production costs of this podcast so we can offer it free of charge every week. You can give online at soulshepherding.org or mail a check to our office address. Soul Shepherding, 4000 Barranca Parkway, Suite 250, Irvine, California, 92604. You'll find a link and our address in the show notes for this podcast. Thank you for partnering with us to help pastors and leaders thrive with Jesus.